Unbelievably enough, Wednesday's Powerball jackpot is estimated at $425 million. And spoiler alert, you know who's going to win it. It's going to be some old couple in the middle of Nebraska living in a trailer park or some office pool where they all sue each other because that's how it always goes. It's November 26th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Now the world is getting older. There's a few things to be said. Because nobody won Saturday's Powerball jackpot, which means it rolls over. And Wednesday is an estimated $425 million. And if you thought the crowds were getting out of control on Black Friday as people were getting into fights over shoes and underwear at a Victoria's Secret, I don't know how many of you saw that video of people having a skirmish in a mall over a pair of shoes. Or fighting over underwear at a Victoria's Secret. I'm not making this up. If you thought that was crazy, you should see Powerball Mania. It's getting out of control. $425 million. Let me just tell you, though, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. You only get like $270 million after taxes. So, you know, it's really not worth any of you bothering with. Just let me handle this. I'll take care of it for you. Don't worry. Wow. Somebody has to explain something to me, though. This is the one aspect, because I know this is going to happen, because it happens virtually every time there's a huge jackpot. I don't know how many of you that listen to this show work in an office building where you have a bunch of cube mates or you have a bunch of people that, um, that you work closely with, that you associate with regularly. But all these offices, they do office pools for the lottery. Everybody contributes 10 bucks or 20 bucks into the pool and they all buy, you know, I don't know, three, $400, $500 worth of tickets. And of course, what winds up happening is one of these office pools, they get the lucky winner, okay? They get the lucky ticket. And now they have to split it between about 20 people. Now, li- listen, all right, even if you take the cash amount, you take the, the, the whole lump sum, 270 million bucks after tax, all right? 270 bucks, you divide it by 20 people. Still, everybody's getting well over 10 million bucks, all right? That's fine. Um, What is it? Actually, it's more like uh, $13 million. If you divide it up, uh, 13 point something million dollars, you divide it up among 20 people. 
That's fine, except for the fact that everybody sues because, of course, they don't ever divide it up. The person that winds up cashing in the ticket or the person that's holding all the tickets takes their ticket and they go down to the lottery office and they cash it and they're like, screw you guys, I'm taking the money, I'm running, that's it. Happens every single time people do the office pool. Why in the world would you do that? Like, why would you really pull? Because, oh, they, the theory is, well, hey, if we all pull our resources, we have a much higher chance of winning. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, instead of one in whatever, one in, in 80 million, now it's however many tickets you bought, it's 200 in 80 million. Great. That's fine. Uh, I would just rather not even have to worry about it, and I'll just take it and uh, do it all for myself. Or you know what winds up happening, too, is... The people, they'll, they'll all go in for an office pool. And then the person responsible for the tickets goes, well, uh, we did win or, you know, I have the winning ticket, but I bought that with my own money. It was a separate investment that I made independent of the office pool. Uh, so there you have it. That's it. About uh, seven or eight years ago, when we had Powerball here, but uh, in New York, they did not. I don't know if they if they still don't have it or what, but. Uh, somebody I knew asked me to buy for their office 150 tickets or something like that. So they send me the money via PayPal and I go down. And he wanted me to enter in all of the numbers from all of the tickets. And I'm just like, are you serious? I, you want me to enter in all of these numbers, uh, 150 tickets worth of numbers? And then, of course, I bought some for myself. So I just let them have the crappy numbers. No, and incidentally, 150 tickets I bought for all of them, not a single one, not even a, a Powerball win, not even like a $2 win for anybody. Nothing, absolutely nothing in 150 tickets. Nothing. They say your odds of winning on the Powerball, winning anything whatsoever, even uh, uh, two or three bucks or whatever, your odds of winning something are like one in three. But uh, apparently not that day. 150 tickets. And then I bought like $20 worth of tickets for myself or $10 worth of tickets. No, nothing. Nothing for me either. So there it is. $425 million. The estimated jackpot for Wednesday's drawing. That is a record, by the way. And again, we know who's going to win. It's going to be some trailer park trash someplace that never even graduated high school, somebody that uh, doesn't know anything about money management whatsoever, they'll blow it all in two or three years and be totally bankrupt. Or the office pool that I mentioned. And you know whoever wins, they'll probably be 90 years old also. That's just what happens. I swear they have a special button they press when you buy a lottery ticket. They have this, some button where if you're like over 70, they press this and it automatically increases your chances of winning by about... I don't know, a factor of 50. <laughs> That's because it's always the old people. And you might say, well, Mike, it's only old people that play the lottery for the most part. That's not true. I know a lot of young people. I've played the lottery for God's sake. I don't do it very often, only when it gets up to an amount that I really care about. I mean, you can keep your $50 million jackpots. I say, full out of that. I spit on your $50 million jackpot. Don't talk to me until it gets over $200 million. That's the only time I'm going to play the lottery. $200 million, that's when I get out of bed. Anything less than that, not even worth my time. Not worth the walk to the convenience store. I mean, what an insane amount of money. Although you think that's a lot, but think of it this way. You know how long it takes the United States government to spend $425 million? Not even an hour. In a day... 
Well, actually, it does take about an hour. In a day, we spend $9 billion, roughly. So, yeah, in about an hour, uh, that's all it takes for us to spend $425 million for the U.S. government. So if you're thinking of handing over your entire lump sum to help cut down on the deficit, uh, don't even bother because it'll be spent within the hour. By the time you write the check and deliver it to the federal government, uh, they will have already spent it. So don't bother. Just, just give it to me. I know exactly what to do with it. Might need that money for legal defense for a lot of people. There's some very strange stories of government intrusion going on over the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, oh, this happened over the weekend in California. There was a bicyclist that was pulled over and he started videotaping everything that was happening when police decided that they were going to stop him. And apparently the cops in California don't like being videotaped very much. I guess they're probably still a little sensitive after they were recorded beating Rodney King on that uh, routine stop, supposedly. And anyway, they wound up being acquitted and then there were the L.A. riots. So you remember that whole situation from 1991. But then there's this. A California man was jailed for four days for attempting to record police officers on a public street. Ja Daniel J. Solman was charged with resisting, delaying, and obstructing an officer, but the video shows that he was standing well out of the way of a traffic stop and was only arrested when he failed to produce identification to the approaching officer. Just so you know, a little Civics 101. Generally speaking, if an officer asks you for your ID, you do not have to produce it for them. If you're just walking down the street or riding your bicycle down the street and an officer just, he just stops you and out of nowhere, without provocation, just says, hey, can I see some identification? You don't have to produce it for him. You are not obligated by the Constitution of the United States to do so. And really, there's no reason for them to do that. The only reason they do that is just to see if you're compliant. And uh, it's kind of a power trip, really. There is no law in California that requires citizens to produce identification. And even if there was, it would require the officer to have a reasonable suspicion that a crime was being committed. But prosecutors have already dropped the charges against Solomon, as well as a few other minor citations relating to his bicycle, such as not having proper reflectors and the pedals. Now, this guy, this Solomon, has videotaped officers before and, in fact, had another similar situation happen to him in which he eventually wound up suing the police department for being jailed illegally. He won a $25,000 settlement, and now the police officers in, in that area basically know him by his first name. They got the smackdown after they arrested this guy again and put him in jail for four days. So no word on whether or not another court case is coming, but this is going to be a good one. You can record police officers. You have every right on a public street to record police officers because, well, they are officers of the law. And they are, of course, funded by the taxpayers. And we have every right to police the police or at least to monitor the police and make sure that they are going about their job in a lawful fashion. And to just simply arrest somebody because they annoy you and put them in jail because they annoy you, well, that's against the law. You can't do that. And the video here clearly shows what was going on. Another officer on a mad power trip 
this is the situation. This is why people have to be vigilant and people have to monitor. I have always maintained, I love the police. I really do. I am a big supporter of the police and I'm, I'm fine with, uh, look, police have to deal with a lot of unruly behavior. A lot of people that are just babies and need constant care and have daddy issues and all this other kind of nonsense. I mean, it, just watch cops once and you'll see the kind of nonsense that the police have to deal with on a regular basis. That doesn't give them an excuse to just have carte blanche to arrest people whenever they feel like it or ask you for ID whenever they feel like it. Oh, yeah, they have every right to ask you for ID and you have every right to refuse them. Just like if you get pulled over on a routine traffic stop, maybe you have a tail light out or maybe you uh, went around a corner a little too sharp or something like that and they want to search your vehicle, you are under no obligation to allow them to search your vehicle. And I tell this to people all the time that you need to defend your rights in this country because the minute you start to give an inch, that's when you'll lose a mile. And we've already lost so much in terms of civil liberties in this country that it, this is something that you need to stand up for. And you might think I'm being melodramatic about it or that I'm being a little bit, uh, well, speaking out of hyperbole, but I'm not. These are your rights. And if you don't use them, you lose them. It's been proven time and again in this country. So videotaping an officer going about their business perfectly within your right. You don't have to fork over an ID just because an officer asks you to. We do have something called probable cause. We do have a fourth amendment. And hopefully, if you're a police officer and you're listening to this, hopefully you understand that as well. People have rights. You have rights. We have a constitution live by it. And should you choose not to, there are legal ramifications for that. Police departments getting sued for violating your civil liberties. It does happen. Lawsuits plenty on that front. Speaking of a weird lawsuit, I have to give you this story. Saw this today. This is all filed under the category of land of the free. So a Cincinnati company one of the largest employers in, this, in the city of Cincinnati fired approximately 150 employees Wednesday for failing to get a required flu shot. TriHealth offered all of its 10,800 employees free flu shots. Employees had a month to get the shot. The deadline was November 16th. Employees who did not get the shot were terminated Wednesday, according to a company spokesperson. Employees who were terminated can appeal and uh, they can try and get reinstated and they will be after they get the required flu shot. A company that is actually requiring its employees to get a flu shot. I have never once gotten a flu shot. All my years, never once. And I hardly ever get sick. I, I get an occasional scratchy throat. I get bad allergies. I have terrible allergies, but I have, I almost never, I don't think, uh, I can't remember the last time I got just a full on flu. Like I'm talking about just that flu, it punches you, it knocks you the hell out. It's been several years since I've had that. I've had some symptoms of, uh, you know, again, from allergies. I get a cold here and there, but the flu, I don't get it very often and I never get a flu shot, never have, and I never will. And if I work for somebody, there's a lawsuit. If you work for a company and they force you to get a flu shot under the guise of, well, if you don't get it, you're going to get terminated, you could certainly turn around and sue them for that. In most states, most states in the U.S. are what are called right-to-work states, which basically means that an employer can fire you for any reason at any time as long as it's not the wrong reason. 
gender, race, religious discrimination. Any other reason, though. Literally, an employer can fire you for being ugly. However, I don't think that an employer can fire you because you choose to get a medical procedure. And I know you might be rolling your eyes right now and going, it's a flu shot. It's not really a medical procedure. That is, it, it is. It really is a medical procedure. You're putting something in your body you're putting a virus into your body so that your body develops antibodies to fight against it. And you may have an objection to it, whether it's a religious objection or it could be somebody like me who feels that every time we start injecting people with this flu vaccine, we only serve to make the strain of influenza stronger. It only serves to mutate it. I've read plenty of medical articles from people that are far more qualified than I to talk about it that say that's exactly what we're doing with these flu shots and that it's ridiculous and it's harder and harder to combat the flu because the influenza, just like everything else, it evolves, it adapts, it gets stronger because of all of these stupid flu shots that we come up with. I refuse to get it. Plus, I just think it's needless anyway. It's a needless procedure. It's a needless shot. It's a needless poke in the arm from a needle. As somebody that got poked in the arm by needles growing up as a kid all the time for allergy shots and all that kind of nonsense, I don't really want any more. I don't want that. And I don't think you should be forced to get any kind of shot or vaccine. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Mike, what about kids? They, they have to get uh, the MMR and the tetanus shot and Look, okay, I get it. The tetanus shot and and MMR, I guess, uh, even though I, I think we pretty much, or um, what is it, a polio vaccine? Do we still do that? Do we still have to, kids still have to have a polio vaccine? I don't think so, but maybe we do. So, okay, fine. I, I guess to a point I can understand it, but an employer, when you're an adult and an employer says to you, uh, you have to get a flu shot. What if I don't? Well, then you're fired. You're going to cost me my job because I didn't get a flu shot. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're doing. Well, that, that doesn't seem very wise. And then what's funny about the flu shot, too, is I've known plenty of people that have gotten flu shots, and then they still get the flu later that season. They still wind up getting it. It's like it's supposed to prevent you from getting the flu and then you still wind up getting it. And I know right now, again, some of you in the audience are rolling your eyes going, well, Mike, it doesn't guarantee anything. You know, there's no that's OK. But you're still led to believe that if you get the flu shot, you're not going to get the flu. And then you wind up, you get it and you get sick. The flu kills 36,000 people in the U.S. every year. So I understand that some people have this thing where I have to get a flu shot because if I don't, I might get the flu and then I might die as a result. Listen, uh, let's calm down. All right. I, I don't think everybody needs to get a flu shot. Maybe if you have a bad immune system, I don't know, maybe, but I've never gotten one and you don't see me crawling around getting the flu all the time. And you know, now that I've done this rant, I bet next week I get the flu. I bet you. I, now that I've said this, now that I've talked about how I haven't had the flu in forever, I'm going to get it next week going to go out someplace and some of these unwashed masses are going to pass along the flu to me. Somebody is going to cough. I'm going to be sitting next to somebody. They're going to just give me the flu. I'm going to get like some kind of the SARS or something like that. That's It happens every time I do a rant like this. Oh, I haven't had this. I've never contracted polio. Boom. There it is. Now I get, I've never had the black plague. 
And then, like, the next week, I come on the air, and I'm like, well, as it turns out, I now I have the Black Plague, and I'm going to have to take a couple of weeks off from the show. Yeah, that's, that's every time. It's one of those, like, reverse curse things I always put on myself. Oh, well. Well, on that note, I think it's perfect time to take a break. Still have a lot of stuff to get into. We have more news on Hamas. It seems the Iranians, according to some uh, satellite and some uh, intelligence information here, the Iranians are funneling more weapons to Hamas. Right now, the ceasefire between the Israelis and Hamas still goes on, but that's probably only because the Hamas are just gearing up for more. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how, how long this ceasefire goes on. I, I give it a couple of weeks at best. We'll see. See, it only takes one bomb, one suicide bomb, one missile, one of these little rockets to be launched into Israel, and then it's back on again. People actually live in Gaza. That's the most amazing part of all of this. There are people that actually have homes. They have settled there. They're trying to live their lives. People actually trying to live in Gaza. I don't get it. Wouldn't you just pack up and move? Wouldn't you just get out of there? Oh, but Mike, it's so beautiful. Lebanon and Israel and the, the Middle East is just a beautiful place to live. It really is. Yeah, right. All right. I like the desert as much as the next guy. I really do. I love the desert Southwest. But and I, I really couldn't imagine a, a more beautiful place on Earth in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm this is not sarcasm in any way. I really do love the desert Southwest, but I could not imagine living in the Middle East. And it has nothing to do with the landscape as much as it does just the political instability of the region. The prospect of a bomb at any moment falling out of the sky and blowing my ass up. I just couldn't even imagine what that must be like. So we'll certainly get into that probably. Also, we have the Michael Groff Show, stupid news file, a lot of crazy things happening. Weird, weird news, actually. Not even stupid, just, just bizarre stuff that's going on. Uh, that and, um, oh, I, I haven't given you a worst song of the week in a while. So I, I probably should do that. We haven't taken a look at the pop chart in a while. We've actually kind of put the pop chart on hiatus a little bit. But maybe we'll look at a pop chart from a different country this week at some point. I don't know. And um, probably look through some of the listener comments. We have some of those that have been put up on the site. And I'll just read through a couple of those and respond to those on the air. And a whole lot more still to get to. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. You're young and you got your health. What do you want with the job? The Michael Groff Show. suited for a higher power if one exists, some sort of omnipotent being that I can ask any question toward, but being that I don't 
know of any such being at this time. I'll just pose this. Hopefully somebody can answer this. Why is it that people screw up such good things? People have a great thing in life. They have life by the balls and they turn around and screw it up. And I'm not talking about somebody that's got a job and then decides to drink themselves to death or they do drugs or whatever. I mean, sure, those kind of people too, but I'm talking about somebody that's got it made. You are set for life. Like, well, like uh, this kid from Two and a Half Men, this Angus T. Jones. Did you see what he's up to now? He's another one of these guys. Maybe that show Two and a Half Men is just a cursed uh, program. I don't know. <laughs> That show, Charlie Sheen flipped out last year. And, you know, he had a bunch of bad habits. He was with the Coke and that his mind, he just ceremoniously melted down right in front of us. Just boom, just everything just went crazy for him. And now the kid on the show, who was the once the cute kid and now he's like older and I don't even know. I haven't watched the show in years and years. I think I've seen maybe two or three episodes. It's pretty much an unwatchable show as far as I'm concerned. But there are a lot of people that like it, obviously. It's been the number one show for ages. People make tons from that. So this kid, Angus T. Jones, he's pulling a Kirk Cameron. Remember Kirk Cameron from, uh, who was that? Um, not Who's the Boss? Uh, Growing Pains. He played Mike Seaver on Growing Pains. And he got all religious. And then he started to uh, petition the writers to change some of the scenes in the show. Anyway, he totally ruined that show. Well, Angus Jones is doing the same thing. He's sabotaging his own career. He went on this rant, I don't know, with some Christian organization or something. He's found God all of a sudden. And he's decided that what he does on that show... And he's still on it, by the way. He's decided what he does on that show is now disgusting. He's uh, he's having one of these kind of meltdowns. I am, uh, when this happens, when people do this, it's actually kind of sad. He makes $350,000 an episode, over $8.5 million a year for that stupid two and a half men. And I guess ever since Charlie Sheen was thrown off the show... The ratings aren't quite so good. Surprise, surprise, because they have like, um, I think Ashton Kutcher is on there now, who I, I can't stand at all. If there's one person that you just want to punch in the face repeatedly. I have here the rant that this Angus Jones from Two and a Half Men goes on. And it's stunning. It's simply stunning. He finds God. And not only did, he wasn't one of these kids that found God. And, you know, now he's like reading the Bible and he goes to church on Sunday. No, no, no. It's one of these classic, he finds God. So he goes completely overboard on it. And you have to listen to this. Uh, here it is. Again, I feel bad for the kid. I really do. He doesn't even realize what he's doing. But check it out. Jake from Two and a Half Men means nothing. He is not existent oh, character. Boy. He's uh, Two and a Half Men. If you watch Two and a Half Men, please stop watching Two and a Half Men. I'm on Two and a Half Men. I don't want to be on it. Please stop well, watching it. I hope they fire you then. Please don't watch Two and a Half Men. This is the kid from the show. I really, I hope you don't watch it anymore. Please don't. You have to hear his justification though. Please stop filling your head with filth. Please. It's, it's you know, people say it's just entertainment. The, the fact that it's entertainment, it, it's, do some research on the effects of television and your brain and I promise you, you'll, you'll have a decision. You'll have a decision to make when it he's 19 years old, and he's telling us about doing research on the effects of TV on our brain.
like he knows anything about it. He's been contributing to it for the better part of, what, nine years now on TV. And now, all of a sudden, he's decided to find God. Well, I sure hope that you, when you quit, you take all of that dirty money, that dirty, filthy money that you got, and you give it to Michael Groff. Because, frankly, you don't even know what to do with it. I Let me handle it. I'll take care of it. That's, he should just send it to me because he clearly doesn't have a good use for it. Comes to the television and especially with 19 years old, he's going to give us a lecture. He's going he's to sit there and lecture the rest of us about the way the world is and how television is so filthy. And, oh my goodness. See what happens with this religion. People find religion and somebody, here's what happened. You know what happened. Kids don't just, you don't just all of a sudden grow into this phase where it just, you wake up and it hits you. Somebody gets a hold of this kid and they, they start indoctrinating him. Maybe several people got a hold of him and they said, listen, man, they brought him to some church, one of these ra- you know, crazy churches, a seventh day, uh, whatever, seventh day evangelical church or whatever it is. And They got him there. And this is not a rant against religious people per se. You can be a religious person. You can be a God-fearing person and not be a nut job, okay? This is classic nut jobbery at its height. A couple people must have gotten a hold of this kid and just kept hammering and hammering and hammering. And then finally, that impressionable brain just finally, I don't know, it just acquiesces to their will. And this is how they do it. They take fairly weak-minded people like this you know, a guy that's an actor, he reads, he memorizes scripts for a living. He doesn't sound like a particularly bright kid. And so what happens is, and I don't know that for a fact, but it just seems that way. When somebody is this easily indoctrinated, it doesn't seem like they're very bright. They're, well, I won't say very bright. Let me ch- change that. He's uh, very easily manipulated. All right. Somebody who's very easily manipulated by this kind of thing. And uh, then they become like Kirk Cameron. They get on this rampage about it crazy what you watch on the television uh it's bad news it's bad news so that's coming i don't know if it means any more coming from me um but you might not have heard it otherwise so uh, just watch out watch out because the a lot of people don't like to think about how deceptive the enemy is the enemy that he's referring to satan there Clearly, that people don't realize how deceptive the enemy is, man. The enemy, Satan is, Satan is bringing us two and a half men. That's what it is. Satan lives in the television. Satan is the one that's creating this. No, it's, are you, this kid is out of his mind. And you know, in five or 10 years when he's, well, when he's got the career going on of, um, Remember Shelley Long from Cheers or, you know, some of those people that leave a, a successful hit show and they, they, they're going to go and pursue a big Hollywood career. They're going to do, you know, they're going to pull a Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey was so successful. He, was, he had Saturday Night Live and he said, you know what? It's Saturday Night Live, this was in its prime in the late 80s and early 90s, the great cast that they had back then. And he goes, you know what, man? I'm going to leave Saturday Night Live. I'm going to go pursue a movie career. And he had like these bunch after bunch of just bad movies with, um, what was it? Uh, Clean Slate was one of them. And he had these other just terrible projects that he got involved in. Never, ever saw the big success that he wanted. And I know Saturday Night Live is not the pinnacle of someone's career. I understand that you can go further than that. 
But if you've got a good thing going, why piss all over it? This is a kid that he's in a much better position than Dana Carvey ever was. You're making eight and a half million a year and you're going to go on YouTube someplace and bite the hand that feeds you. Way more. He's been doing this for a lot longer than any of us have been around. Oh, yeah. So we can't play around. There's no there's no playing around when it comes to. You know, you're going to be telling that to people while you're pumping their gas for them in about five years, right? Uh, eternity. I can be a Christian and be on a show like Two and a Half Men. I, you can't. You cannot be a true God-fearing person and be on. And it just goes on from there. You really have to feel bad for this kid. Does he have any idea how hard it is to find a job in show business? Does he understand how many people would kill to have the opportunity that he has right now? And most people wouldn't squander that away. Most people, even if they're dissatisfied with the job or if they're dissatisfied with the sitcom, they still go on and and they do this for years and years. You have band members that hate each other, that will go out on the road and they will tour together for years and years. The Eagles hate each other. They can't stand each other, but they know that the only way they're going to ever make a lot of money is to still go out and tour on the road together. Sometimes you just swallow your pride and you go, you know what, man, I can spread more of the Lord's word if I'm on this show. I'll be in the limelight. I'll have a bunch of money so I can start a church or I can go and circulate the Lord's word out there. And so what if I'm on a show? It is just entertainment and people will be able to separate me from that. I don't know, maybe, but he's not thinking that through. You're not thinking through this religion. I'll tell you what, people find this They find Jesus and they lose their mind. They exchange. It's like a big trade-off. Well, you you can find God, but it will cost you your brain. It will cost you your common sense. What else does he say here? There's more to this rant, but I'm not going to sit here and bore you to death with it, except to say he also says um, that the Bible is telling him that it's not good to be on this show. Where in the Bible does it say don't be on two and a half men? People will use the Bible to justify anything. I don't get it. And I'm I'm pleading ignorance here, okay? I have to admit, I do not understand why it is that people find God and they lose their minds. They lose their common sense. Are the two mutually exclusive? Can you not be a religious person and have common sense? There are people in my family that I would consider, you know, fairly fairly Christian individuals. They follow the Bible. They go to church. They are God-fearing individuals and they have common sense. You can have reasonable conversation with them. They're not mental, but um, it's like this extremist view like the enemy is always watching us. The enemy is very underhanded, very dirty, and uh, he's he's uh, very um, very capable of taking us down. I Come on, man. You and Kirk Cameron are going to be a... Now, I will say this about Kirk Cameron. He didn't blow all of his money that he got from that show. He's still living in a decent lifestyle, but I don't know. This kid sounds like he's going to be the kind to just... Look, he's 19, and he's going to wind up blowing through all of that money, and he's going to be sitting there in about 10 years. God will have provided absolutely nothing for him, and he will be sitting there penniless, because people will have taken advantage of him. If he's this easily indoctrinated into religion, he will be the victim of any internet scammer or any anybody who comes along in the name of God to help build a church or a charitable organization, and they'll take all of this poor kid's money. I feel bad for this kid, and I'm not saying this facetiously. I really do. He is going to find himself in such a bad situation in about 10 or 20 years, 
And he's going to be like, why did God forsake me? And I just hope somebody sits this kid down, puts their arm on his shoulder and says, look, kid, you can still believe in God. And that's wonderful. But don't throw away this opportunity because you will never get another one like this. Ride it out as long as possible. Don't be a disruptive force. And maybe you'll get another job in Hollywood. You probably will. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But don't squander the opportunities that you're given. Now, I understand. I think two and a half men after this year is pretty much over because the ratings aren't what they were. Without Charlie Sheen, the show just doesn't work. Without a cute little kid, now he's a grown-up teenager, almost 20-year-old. How does that really play into that show? It's, it's like three men now instead of two and a half. So... I don't know. Uh, I, I guess the show is probably going to be over with anyway. So maybe we're making too big a deal about it. But still, to just sit there and piss all over a career you've just built for nine years, not a very smart move. Why do people do it? Why do people take something that's really good that's going for them in their life and then they just crap on it? And before you write to me and you say, oh, Mike, there's more to life than money. There's more to life than just success in Hollywood. <laughs> I understand that. I get it. Except you know that this kid is going to feel tons of regret in about 10 or 20 years. Because how many of you did something really stupid when you were 15 or 18 or 20 years old? And even to this day, you sit there and you kind of go, you know, I really wish I hadn't done that. There's so many things that we can point to in our lives where we maybe made a misstep as a kid. And somebody should have probably pulled us aside and said, hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should think twice about it. Because we all know that when you're 19 years old, you don't know anything. You are an idiot when you're 19 years old. You really are. You're stupid. And it's nothing against you. You just haven't gone out and experienced enough of the world. You may have a lot of book smarts, but you don't have the street smarts. You don't have the world smarts, the experience, the wisdom to guide you through the world. And that's what I'm talking about with this kid. I know there's more to life than money. I know there's more to life than being on a TV show. But this kid will uh, <laughs> wait till he's serving you at a Red Lobster someplace in like 2023. And he goes, you know, used to be on a hit TV show. Oh, yeah, I remember you. You're the jackass that found God. How's that working out for you? Um, look, uh, what kind of salad would you like? That's <laughs> how so it's going to go. All right. Now, as if that news wasn't depressing enough, just what the Internet needs, interference from the United Nations. Next week, the United Nations International Telecommunications Union will meet in Dubai to figure out how to better control the Internet. Representatives from 193 nations will attend the nearly two-week-long meeting, according to some reports. The conference in Dubai has brought many leaks of proposals on the new treaty. Let's see, some of these uh, include the... Uh, some nations are, of course, looking to um, put forth a more authoritarian standpoint and censor the internet, objectionable content, and this kind of thing. Take a stance more like China on the internet, because that's really what we want. Obviously, this threatens the very security, the very purpose of the internet for the free exchange of information. Quote, having the internet re, uh, rewired by bureaucrats would be like handing a Stradivarius to a gorilla. The internet is made up of 40,000 networks and interconnect among 425,000 global routes, cheaply and effectively delivering messages and other digital content to more than 2 billion people worldwide with some 500,000 new users every day. 
quote, proposals for the new ITU uh, run to more than 200 pages. One idea is to apply the ITU's long-distance telephone rules to the internet by creating a sender party pays rule. So here's what happens. So your internet service provider would be paying extra fees every time that you interact with servers outside of the United States, for example, or outside, uh, basically, yeah, outside of the United States, effectively placing a new tax on the internet, an international tax, if you will. Obviously, Google and Facebook are objecting to this content. And if there's really no way to enforce this or to utilize this, but they're just looking for a new way to profit off of it. That's the United Nations hard at work. The irrelevant United Nations, once again, proving that it is indeed irrelevant. People give me so much crap because I, I just dump on the United Nations constantly and saying that it's, it's outdated. It's long past its prime. Yeah, it was a good idea to have a bunch of the nations get together and have a powwow. But now all they do is sit there and talk about these wild conspiracy theories and ways to tax people and ways to punish people and ways to bring about uniform government to the world. These carbon taxes and this global warming initiative and uh, controlling the internet and the Kyoto Protocol and all this other nonsense that the United Nations thinks is just such a brilliant idea. And the United Nations, they don't care. Basically, it's a group of people that are centered around dominance and control of the world through um, punitive actions. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's, again, arcane, way past its prime. And, um, well, of course, because there are so many radical nations and radical people across the world, uh, they are equally represented in the United Nations. Iran. And nations like Jordan and Syria and uh, other places across the Middle East and, and, and Egypt, and all, they're all represented in the United Nations. They get the same voice that the United States, Australia, Canada, you know, they, they get the same weight of those nations, basically. I mean, yeah, you can say, all right, well, the UN Security Council is made up of China, Russia, the United States and all this. But no, see, they still get a voice in a lot of these other things like the Internet. Do you really think that Iran has the same vision of the Internet that the United States does or that um, uh, France or Germany does? No, of course not. For up to them, you wouldn't be able to do anything. They would control exactly what you see, just like China does. China controls. Believe me, in China, if they don't want you to see it, you don't see it for the most part. Here's something for the record books. A little bit of a different story. One particular car in the city of Chicago looks like it may hold the world record for receiving the most parking violations ever. The city claims that Jennifer Fitzgerald owes more than $100,000 in parking tickets. That's not a typo, by the way. She actually owes $105,761.80 in parking ticket violations. She's accrued more than 678 tickets on her car. Uh, she says that she doesn't own the car. She's never driven the car. She never parked the car. But the car apparently is in her name. Uh, over the period of the last three years, the car has just sat there and racked up tickets. Based on records from the 
DCF's list of the city's top parking ticket uh, violators. The car in question seems to have set a record in Chicago for having received the highest number of parking tickets as well as accruing the largest fines ever, beating the Chicago's number two ranked parking ticket violator by $65,000 and over 400 violations. Fitzgerald is fighting the citations and all of the associated fines by filing a lawsuit against her ex-boyfriend, who apparently really is the rightful owner of the car, I guess, or who had the car, as well as United Airlines. Not exactly sure how they fit into this complicated story. And uh, the city of Chicago. So she's suing everybody and she says, this isn't my car. I'm not going to be responsible. And really, I think she actually has at least somewhat of a legitimate case because... In law, you have a responsibility to mitigate your damages. In other words, you can't just sit there and let damages keep building and building and building. You eventually have to do something to mitigate your damages. You have an obligation to do so. So to allow a vehicle to accrue 678 tickets is probably um, probably a violation of that part of the law. So nevertheless, that's impressive. 678 tickets. Oh, man. I'm so glad I don't drive. All right, um, we got to take a break. And when we come back, more of the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. Of course, we'll go to Alabama for one. And I know people think I pick on the South. In fact, speaking of that, I'm going to give you some listener feedback. We'll read a little bit of listener feedback on the shows and uh, give you some of uh, the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. Hey, I don't write the stupid news, okay? I don't commit the stupid news. I don't write it. I'm just telling you where it happens, what goes on. This isn't me bagging on the South. It just so happens that people in Alabama, there's apparently a big influx of, of stupid news from Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia. It just happens to be that that's where a lot of the stupid things happen in this country. I can't help it. It's not my fault. I'm just telling you what goes on. Don't shoot the messenger. All right, we have that and just a lot of other stuff. I'm sure we'll get to, you know. I think I owe you a worst song of the week also. We'll get you that. And so much more. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. And now, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. Exploiting other people's mistakes to cover our own f***-ups. It's the Michael Groff Show.
segment, the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show on a Monday, November 26th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Grav Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Grav Show on Google Talk. Michael Grav on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Graff related, the one and only MichaelGraff.com, where you can leave your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions on this or any other podcast. Download the latest show, sign up, subscribe so that you get notifications every time we post a brand new episode. And of course, you can make a donation to this show. All can be done from the one and only MichaelGraff.com. I'm going to play devil's advocate with you for a second. If you listen to this show long enough or if you know where I'm coming from on these kinds of things. You know, I'm a big advocate of the Second Amendment. You know that I really do believe that people, intelligent people, educated people, people that get the proper training, they should carry firearms. I really do believe that, and I believe that people should own them. Absolutely, it, it is indeed your right to do so as an American. But there's a point where even I kind of shake my head a little bit. Now, again, going to play devil's advocate. I have two contrasting stories here. First of all, from Alabama, from the Michael Groff Show Stupid News file. Now, it's stupid news, but this, it's an interesting issue, all right? An Alabama lawmaker is again pushing for legislation that would let employees take handguns to work. Just hear it out, all right? The uh, newspaper, the Montgomery Advertiser, reported Friday that Senator Roger Bedford, a Democrat from Russellville, said that the bill is aimed at increasing personal safety. Yes, that's right. A Democrat actually sponsoring this bill. That, uh, that in and of itself blew me away. Quote, I think it's necessary so people will have peace of mind when they're traveling to and from work, he said. A similar measure has been proposed twice before, but has failed despite having support from the National Rifle Association. The Business Council of Alabama also opposes the measure, said uh, Senate President Bill Canary. Quote, at a time when the business community in all sectors should be focused on creating jobs, we instead are dealing with this unnecessary legislation which eroded the constitutional property rights of businesses. Alabama businesses are already struggling with burdensome regulations that impact productivity and increase costs, Canary said. The bill would, would prevent most employers from barring workers from transporting and storing firearms at work. Employees who bring weapons to work would be required to keep their guns locked up and out of sight. Bedford said that the law would not apply to school campuses and weapons wouldn't be allowed in any places where they are already banned by federal law. So in other words, any government building, federal building, etc. The lawmaker said that he does not expect any dangers to arise in the workplace if the proposed legislation is signed into law. Quote, if someone's that crazy, hopefully the sheriff didn't give a pistol permit in the first place, he said. Now that is one side of the argument and I'll Weigh in on this in just a minute. Now, I'm going to read you the other side, or I'm going to read you another point here, just, just so that you have two stories that sort of go along with one another, all right? Two armed robbers made off with the Black Friday cash from a Target store after they forced their way into the cash room, held uh, tied up three employees, held them at gunpoint, and walked out before the rest of the staff even realized what had happened, police said. The 40-minute robbery occurred shortly after the day's sales uh, bonanza had ended and a full night crew restocked shelves at the Springfield Avenue store in Union Township, Police Lieutenant Robert Perez said. 
The masked suspects had been hiding in the store as they waited for it to close. And then they made their move around 11 p.m. by forcing an, uh, an employee into the cash room at gunpoint. Quote, they had been in the store for quite some time, Perez said of the suspects. They then waited there for cash register receipts to be wheeled in, grabbing two other employees as they walked in with cash, Perez said. The bandits tied up all three workers in the cash room and took an undisclosed amount of money. The suspects then walked out of the store before any of the other workers even realized what had just happened. It wasn't until after, um, well, after the bound employees freed themselves from the cash room that the robbery was reported. Authorities are searching for the suspects, but were unable to immediately provide full descriptions uh, of them. So uh, the target robbery was one of two armed holdups in Union Township this weekend that involved store employees being bound. A similar robbery occurred Saturday night at the Harbor, what is this, the Harbor Freight Tools Store on Route 22. In that robbery, which police do not believe is related to the target robbery, four armed men entered the store after it closed and tied up five employees inside. They fled with an undisclosed amount of money. No one was hurt in either robbery. So there, there's two situations. One where a, a legislature in Alabama, a Democrat of all people, is proposing someone that workers be allowed to carry firearms to work. And another one where you have people that decide to rob different places of businesses. So do you think that it's a good idea to allow people to carry firearms to work? Now, if in this scenario... The target employees, somebody would have a firearm. They would theoretically be able to defend themselves using said firearm. Now, of course, there could have been a shootout, could have been a lot of people killed. Nobody was hurt in this incident. Now, this may surprise you. Being the libertarian that I am, you've come to know and love and you listen to all the time and you think, oh, yeah, Mike's going to just stand right up and defend the idea of bringing firearms to work. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I think it's actually a, a terrible idea. I think people should be allowed to carry firearms with them. I, I believe fully in an open carry state. People walking around the streets with a firearm, fine. People having firearms in their cars, fine. People bringing firearms to work, not fine. Uh, I was against it when they talked about allowing teachers to carry firearms, and I understood the rationale behind it. Look, school shootings are up. School violence is up. Uh, certainly there is something to be said for the fact that Columbine could have been at least curtailed somewhat had a teacher had a firearm and known how to use it. That being said, I doubt that a teacher would have used their firearm to shoot at uh, Eric Harris and Darren Klebold, um, even if they had the opportunity because they might have hit another student. And that would have just been crazy. And even if they were a good shot, I don't know if that would have diffused the situation or not. So while I'm Mr. Second Amendment and while I'm all for open carry and while I certainly like the laws that we have here in the state of Arizona and people can carry a concealed weapon without a permit, I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with a lot of loose gun laws. Even I have to draw the line at allowing workers to bring a firearm to work. We've talked about stories on this show before where a convenience store worker, he owned his own store. He had a firearm in his store and he used it to defend his, his property 
and he was successful in doing so in spite of the fact that he got sued. Remember, there was a guy over here in the Phoenix area that did that uh, several years ago. And certainly he was a hero to a lot of people. And I defended him because he defended his own property. That store belonged to him and he defended it with a firearm. And I was fine with that. Fine. But I am not going to advocate that people bring firearms to their place of business. Can you imagine you work at a at a place and everyone's bringing their guns into work and you might say, well, it would make for a more polite workplace. I don't know. Maybe we hear these stories about guys that go nuts. They get crazy and they, they go up and shoot up their workplace. And maybe that would stop somebody from doing it. Maybe if you knew that a whole bunch of people there had a firearm, you wouldn't bring your gun there and decide to shoot up the place being a disgruntled employee. Maybe, maybe not. Who's to say? But I just don't think that the risk is worth the reward. I don't think the potential risk is worth the potential reward. And you can say, Mike, uh, you're being a hypocrite. I mean, how can you be so uh, open carry? I'm fine with the average ordinary citizen walking down the street carrying a gun. I have no problem with it. Please, uh, if, if I had a handgun, I do not have a handgun. I have a shotgun for personal protection of my home. But if... I was to walk down the street with a handgun. If I, you know, I would carry, a, I would carry some type of, you know, a three fifty seven. I don't know. I'd carry something with me, and that'd be fine. But I'm never going to advocate bringing it to work. If I go to work someplace, let's say I work at a radio station, I go there, and somebody just has it in that they're going to come to the station and shoot up the place. You know, maybe it's my time to go. All right, and maybe that sounds illogical to some of you that think that I should just step right on out in front of this bus and say, yeah, let's bring guns to work too. Even I draw the common sense line someplace, and that's where I have to draw it. Bringing guns to work, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm even though I, I don't want to disagree with a guy just because he's a Democrat, because, hey, I'm, I'm proud of a Democrat to step forward and advocate for Second Amendment rights. That's great. But this is one where you're stepping out a little too far on a limb, even for me. And I'm going to draw the line there. And I know that there's probably people in the audience that are shocked, but, uh, you know, come on, man. Common sense has to prevail at some point. Um, I'm not for bringing guns to school. Uh, now, I'm fine. I will say I am fine if you have police officers that are uh, on campus and they're carrying weapons. That's fine. And I'm perfectly all right with people at federal buildings. Um, you know, marshals or whatever, somebody at a federal building, uh, a federal law enforcement officer carrying a firearm. Certainly those that happens. We certainly have security guards, like, for example, at courthouses and whatnot. Uh, of course, they should be carrying weapons. Absolutely. But I just don't think that there is a scenario that you could describe to me where it would be OK for a citizen to carry a weapon to work. I just I don't think so. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to give it a shot, whatever you've got, but um, I'm probably not going to agree with that point ever, that it's okay to bring a firearm to work. All right, on that note, it is time to do it. I, and I really don't want, I wish I had a firearm right now. I'd probably be using it, putting a gun to my mouth because here we go, folks, it is time for the worst song of the week. Uh, yes, as you know, the music industry is going into the crapper. And we have many, many shining examples of that every single week. Brand new stuff is always coming out, and most of it is just terrible. But we like to highlight the worst of the worst, the bottom of the barrel, uh, stuff that is just so awful that we can't even believe that a record company 
that a record label, that any producer would think that this is a good idea to put out. And, uh, well, we've given you so many great examples of this, and we have yet another good one here. This week, our nominee for... By the way, you can always send in your suggestion for Worst Song of the Week and give us a link or send us a file or whatever. Mike at kmgx.com, our email address. You can send it to me through any one of our various methods of communication with this program. Uh, so we always take your submission. But this week... Uh, this is <clears throat> a brand new song, the collaborative efforts of 50 Cent, Eminem, and Adam Levine of Maroon 5. An unusual, an unusual trio, to say the least. 50 Cent, Eminem, Adam Levine. This is a song called My Life. It is the worst song of the week right here. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. It's a lot worse, don't worry. Many emotions shit, so I could never trust a bitch. I tried to help kids get on, they turned around and spit. Right in my face, so came in, but broke a sucker. Now when you hear him, it may sound like it's some other shit. Cause I'm not writing anymore, they not making hits. Yeah. I'm far from perfect, there's so many lessons I done learned. Uh. That money's evil, look at all the evil I done earned. I'm doing what I'm supposed to, I'm a writer, I'm a fighter. I'm I thought he was supposed to be good at rap. And you know, I'm not a rap critic, I'm not a rap connoisseur. I don't know much about hip-hop, but even I know this is bad. Even for 50 Cent. 50 is bad. Hold on, but I, I'm sticking with it because now Eminem comes on and gives us what could only be described as a completely incomprehensible set of lyrics. Incoherent. I defy you. What's he saying? Something about 3,000 volts of electricity. That I got. I'd love to actually analyze these lyrics, but... I bet this song goes to number one. I can't understand it and I hate it. Why is he always yelling? Why is he so angry? So they're not wrapping himself into a bubble and it's bubble wrap. Why is Eminem so angry? I mean, I know his career is over. It's been over for quite a while. Um, but maybe that's why he's angry. But he was always angry. He's like uh, he's like that Angus T. Jones. If I were those guys, I would never be angry. They have so much money, so much success. Every time they go into the studio and make some piece of crap, people seem to like it. 
I wish every time I put out a podcast, no matter how bad it was, people just went, man, that was the greatest thing ever. I wish I had those kind of accolades. But no, I got people on, on my website to tell me how much I suck. Anyway, that's it. That's all there is to that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That is the worst song of the week. A free service of the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. That's right. We give that to you at absolutely no extra charge. All right, I have to take umbrage with a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Miles on my website here, I'm just reading some of the comments that I've received lately. Miles says that I rip on the South too much and rednecks. He indicates that it's a little bit hypocritical for me to point out the bigotry of other people and then make fun of an entire region as repeatedly, as regularly as I do. Well, let's be fair. I make fun of just about everybody on this show. I poke fun at myself, at the South, at the Midwest, at Europe. Uh, I don't think there's any group of people on this planet, maybe Eskimos. I, I don't think I've ever really made many remarks about Eskimos. So, so far, maybe Eskimos have been free from my barrage of, uh, my barrage of, of making fun of things. But look, I mean, we, we, Cleveland and Detroit have probably caught more crap on this show than any other places on the planet. Um, hell, we have the, you know, those songs. Yeah. Fun times in Cleveland today. <laughs> Cleveland. Come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Come and look at both of our buildings. Yeah. Buy some food that's prepared near the street. Who knows you might even see this guy. You should come on down to West 6th Street. See, when we do this kind of stuff. Place if you're a douchebag. Watch the poor people all wait for buses. I don't think the South gets any more or less crap on my show than any other place. Maybe it does. Maybe it has lately just because of the election and because... Moses Cleveland. I don't know. the guy who invented Cleveland. Yeah! Aside from some of the ultra-religious people that seem to be most prominent in the South in the Bible Belt, which I certainly, with good reason, have cause to make fun of. It's more jovial than anything else. There is no real harm intended by it. Everybody needs to be able to take a joke. And I think people should just really lighten up. I certainly have taken my share of criticism, and certainly a lot of the attacks that are levied at me are not in good nature. They're not satirical. There's a lot of things I, you know, we do the banjo music, it's all, all that different kind of stuff on this show. Sure, to make fun of the South or, or various geographic regions or countries or whatever. It's just the way it is. It's the natural order of things. Uh, people, humanity, we make fun of things a lot. And look, I've been to the South before. I'll tell you what, I spent four days in Huntsville, Alabama in 2004, okay? Doesn't get any more down home south than that. And I will tell you, I really had a good time there. I thought the people were generally very nice and I made a lot of jokes about it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of very nice people in the south. This isn't a speech where, you know, some of my best friends are southerners. No, nothing like that. But I just think that... Um, it's, it's a different kind of culture. It's a different kind of people. And it's something that we city folk don't necessarily understand. And I, I'm being very sincere when I tell you, 
I just think that uh, it's, you know, he says to back off of my comments on the South. All right, fair enough. And then we have another guy, Jason, on the website here who goes on a rather tangential thing about how he agrees with me that he's against unions. But he goes on to say that I am not for people getting a living wage and that somehow I have something against the working man, against labor workers, against blue collar workers, against people making an honest living wage. I don't know where that comes from. Apparently, he heard my show the other day and I, I said, people at Walmart need to realize that they're working at Walmart. What else can you really expect? You're not going to get $20 an hour. It's a, generally speaking, it's a fairly unskilled labor position. So people that insist that Walmart pay a quote living wage, well, they pay minimum wage. All right. If you don't like minimum wage, try lobby your legislature to have minimum wage increased. And maybe maybe we could increase it so that we all make $100 an hour. That would be great. So everybody in the in the world, everybody in the country at least, will make $100 an hour. And that'll therefore make $100 worthless. Just like right now, what is the minimum wage? $7.25 an hour, I believe. What can $7.25 buy you? Lunch, maybe? I can go and get lunch right now for $7.25 if I'm pretty chintzy about it. Really, $7.25 buys you a couple of loaves of bread, buys you a box of cereal, couple of gallons of milk. That's all you get for $7.25. Yeah, not even a couple of gallons of milk after tax. Maybe. A couple of half gallons, anyway. So you can't get a lot for $7.25 anymore. The more you increase the minimum wage, it just contributes to the inflation. Unfortunately, this is the, this is the part of life that sucks. And this is the part of life that people do have to understand. There's a bottom, there's a middle, there's a top. Most of the people live in the middle. If you want a better idea, look up the bell curve. I'm not trying to be condescending, not trying to be snarky, but let's face it, most of the people live within one standard deviation, as we say, of the, of the mean, of the average. Most people are, you know, right there. They're right in the average. Average IQ, 100. Most people, 90 to 110. Um, so that's just how it is. And the same thing goes for wages. Some people have to be at the bottom. A lot of people are in the middle. A few people are at the top. All right. So, and unfortunately, if you try to artificially bring that up by just repeatedly bringing up the minimum wage, all you're doing is chasing that middle. So it's even higher. You're making the currency worth less and less. And I know people say, well, uh, Mike, you know, if, uh, if Walmart would just shell out a few more bucks, uh, then look, if you have a problem with how Walmart pays, don't work there. Go to school, take out a loan, do what a lot of people do. Take out a loan, go to school and get yourself some training, get yourself an education. You don't necessarily have to go to college. You can go to a, a technical school. Go and get yourself trained in a particular field of study. If you don't like working at Walmart, try to work someplace else. Again, I know that that sounds like it's being condescending and snarky, but you have to understand that you're in the, you, when you're working at Walmart, you can't expect top shelf wages. This guy is sitting here saying that I must be one of the rich elite and that I sound like an elitist because I dare say that people that work at Walmart 
are only going to make $8 an hour and that's all they can expect to make or a janitor or a security guard. Now, a security guard is going to get a little bit more because that requires a slightly higher level of skill. Not just any schlub that walks off the street, unless they're working at the TSA, can work as a security guard. So there is going to be a slightly higher pay there. It's all in the training required, the amount of people available. It is simply the law of supply and demand. That's how the job market has, is, and always will operate. So that just answers a couple of the points that are made. And I know this guy is on here and he's, he's saying that I'm some sort of jackass. And, he's, and then he says he loves my show, but uh, that I'm completely in the wrong because I'm against people making a living wage. No, I'm not. I'm not against it at all. And I'm not even here to tell you that I'm, I'm not against the minimum wage, incidentally. See, this is the other area where the libertarians and myself will uh, slightly, slightly differ. I'm not against a minimum wage, a minimum standard that a company has to impose. But that said, I'm not for the constant raising of that minimum standard just so that we can elevate everybody into the middle class. If you take a class, all right, if you take like a math class in school or, or whatever, science, and you get a 35% on a test, you failed. You failed the test. If we set a minimum standard for a test, if we set a, a minimum percentage that you can earn, what does that do to the, to the value of that test? What does it do to the value of the education? If we take the people that made 35%, we bring them up to 65. We bring every F student up to a D. What happens? I mean, don't you think that then we should probably have to take every A student and bring them down to a B? Don't you understand where, where we start heading toward? Well, Mike, they're not analogous. You're talking about the education versus the real world job market. No, actually, it's very much analogous. There's, they're the same thing. You're talking about this is what you've earned. Now, there are a lot of people that are out of work because of the current economic situation that we have. There are a lot of people that have college degrees that aren't able to get the job in the field of study that they have a degree. That's the reality, too. So I'm not saying that the amount of money you make is necessarily compensatory with your education level or your effort. My mother worked very, very hard when we were growing up. She had several jobs. We were, when we first moved to Arizona, when I was a very little kid, we were what you would call lower middle class. We lived in a very questionable part of town. How questionable was it? Well, one morning there's a knock at her door and uh, one of the neighbors is telling us how her, her husband is in the dumpster or boyfriend or whatever. Somebody gets killed. You know, other people in that neighborhood, people would get shot all the time. That was not a good area, but it was what we could afford. So my mom worked very, very hard, didn't get compensated as, as you might think that you would working as many hours as she did, but that's, that's just the nature of life, man. It's how it works. She was an educated woman. Talking about a college-educated woman wasn't necessarily getting college-educated person type of money. And then as time went on, worked harder, continued to work, economy improved, her situation improved, she got more money. Same goes, you know, growing up before, even before I was born. My dad, same story. You, you don't always get out of life what you put into it. You just hope that you do. But you should always put yourself in a good position to get more out of life. 
And then you do have to remember sometimes, folks, life isn't fair. Not everybody is going to be at the top. Only one person can win the lottery every four days or three days. All right. Only one person can be at the very top. And then a few more people are below that and a few more people are below that. And that's just how it is. You're not always, even if you're the more qualified person, you're not always going to get the best job. You're not always going to get the best this or that. That doesn't make me an elitist. I'm being very realistic in telling you that. And to say that I'm anti people making a living wage. No, I'm not. Not at all. Sorry, you have the wrong character. And if you want to provide examples of how I'm against that, and if you really want to have a serious debate, then I'm certainly willing to entertain that. But don't just make these random accusations. That's just silly. Anyway, that's pretty much that. But I, I, do th I do hear this mentality a lot that the people think they're entitled to $20 an hour. And this guy, even he's against unions, but I would think that he'd be perfectly for unions because they're for, they're advocating for people, for everybody to get $20 an hour, whether they've earned it or not. That's how unions work. Doesn't matter how hard you work. As long as you're a part of that union, man, you're good. Everybody should get 20 bucks an hour. Hell, 30. The UAW, they managed to chase everybody out of the United States. They're what, they're what made Detroit a ghost town. Why do all the auto workers have their parts done in Mexico and China and Japan? Well, quite frankly, because it's a lot cheaper because of the UAW. Period. Want to see how great unions are? Ask the folks that work at Hostess. They'll tell you. Well, the ones that weren't, you know, there was, I, the more I read about that story, it's funny. It was really just a few hundred people. A few hundred people that really, and then there was a lot of people that went along with it. A lot of people that were just sheep and they went along with it just for the hell of it. Just for shiggles. That's what happens. Those unions, they led you right off the cliff. The fiscal cliff, if you will. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. You want to comment on this or anything else? Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, including your comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, I will respond to it either on the air or otherwise. You can always go to MichaelGroff.com. Listen to all of our podcasts current, old, new, whatever. You can subscribe, so every time a brand new show is posted, you'll get an email notification that lets you know. Of course, we ask that you whitelist our site so that your spam filter doesn't stop our messages from coming through. And, um, of course, you can donate to this program. It's all there and available at the one and only MichaelGroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Time this very, very well. All right. Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow.